What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. And Brox, it's been a while since we've got on here, but since then, tensions have flared in the Big Apple. Uh, a lot of playoff races are coming down to the wire, and I'm just happy to finally get back on here. Even with football starting, baseball, you know what I mean? We're in the stretch run. We still got to bring you guys our recap and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's been a crazy... Uh... It's been a crazy week and a half, especially the past few days, what happened in the Big Apple. So uh, let's get going into that. Yeah, listen, let's be homers a little bit here. Let's start in New York with the Yankees and the Mets. They just faced off this past weekend. Uh, first of all, the Saturday was 9-11 as well, the 20th anniversary of that. The Yankees playing the Mets on that day, I think, was perfect. It was awesome. The pregame ceremonies and stuff like that. Definitely wish I could have been in attendance for that game. Uh, So good job from the MLB. I think that's maybe something that they could look forward to doing. Maybe not every year because I think it makes it special. uh, Like it makes it less special that way, but definitely keep some of that tradition going like that. But listen, let's get back onto the ball field and stuff like that. This series, the Mets take two out of three games, kind of a blowout game one, but game two, the Yankees win by one run after getting out to an early, early lead. Uh, I think they scored like five runs in the second inning off Taiwan Walker. Mm -hmm. And then the third game, man, back and forth. uh, Tensions are flaring. Uh, John Carlos Stanton's chirping at Francisco Lindor, but the $341 million man, the guy who gets paid more than Stanton somehow, uh, got the last laugh. Three home runs in a game against the Yankees. He actually owns Chad Green. Uh, Like I said, two out of three of the Mets take there. A little disappointing for the Yankees. Kind of capped off like a tough two-week stretch that the Yankees went on after winning 13 straight games. But uh, I guess it is what it is. I know Mets fans all year have complained to me that James McCann and Francisco Lindor really kind of been disappointing, like disappointments. But James McCann, first of all, looked like prime Buster Posey all series. And then Lindor hits three home runs off us Sunday night. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about the, your Mets uh, series win? I mean, it, was, it was nice to watch him win a series. Um, it's really nice to see Lindor, you know, actually start to show what he's worth, especially on Sunday night, you know. When he did that, uh, the whistling towards uh, Torres after his second home run, and then Stanton tied it up, I really thought that the Mets were going to lose that game and just look like complete fools. But Lindor, um, he backed himself up and hit an absolute nuke in the eighth inning to give the Mets the lead and win the game. So it was nice to see the Mets play with some fight, but they obviously lost that fight the past two nights against the Cardinals. So. Yeah, that is that is true. Uh, you mentioned yeah the past the past two nights right they played yesterday as well. Yeah, losing two games to the Cardinals, they're kind of in the thick of a playoff race as well, which is crazy. But I'll stay on the Mets for one point. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Francisco Lindor kind of throwing some jabs at Stanton. I thought if Stanton got up again in the ninth inning, which he ended up doing, I thought for sure the Yankees were going to end up winning that game. I thought Stanton was going yard off Diaz and he was just going to lose his absolute mind. Bench is cleared, as I said, like that Javi Baez was talking a little bit. Again, we, we talked about that. I think it was like our first or second episode about teams you don't want to get into a benches clearing brawl with. The Yankees are probably at the top of that list. And that was before they had Rizzo and Gallo, who are also both above like 6'3". So, again, maybe maybe not the best matchup for the Mets there. The tail of the tape definitely favors the Yankees. But uh, going back to the Mets, I mean, what, two weeks ago, your fans are booing everybody. Uh, the, the players are booing the fans. The fans are booing the players. Now, I mean, Javi Baez started to heat up a little bit. Obviously, Lindor with the three home runs. Baez had a big home run today. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, are you happy, a little happy about that? Those guys are finally trying to get it going and maybe – or do you think it's, like, just a little too late? I mean, two weeks ago, including myself, I was not happy with Baez. Everyone was not happy with Baez. And now I think any Mets fan you ask would want to have Javi Baez on his team on the Mets next year. So he's turning around tremendously and even the Mets is even the Mets some life I mean 
as of right now, they're three and a half back of the wild card, five and a half division. So they're still in it, just honestly because of him. He's been absolutely electric this past few weeks. It's been really fun to watch. He's been good at the play, good in the field. So, I mean, honestly, I would love to resign this guy, but, and he's uh, giving us a little energy, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what the Mets kind of needed, too. So you're saying there's a chance the Mets down the stretch. Obviously, they still have to catch Atlanta or even they kind of are technically in play for that second wild card. spot. I know there's a couple other teams there. You kind of alluded to the fact Bias is a pending free agent, Brox. What is like a number that you'd like to bring back Bias for? Because I think the biggest problem with the Mets this offseason is going to be the fact that by like they're viewing Bias as a second baseman where I don't know, 26 other teams, I guess you could say, who could possibly be in the running. Obviously not every team wants him. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? He'd be a shortstop on 27 other teams, basically. But with the Mets, he wouldn't because Lindor is such a good defender at short and they're paying him so much money. So, like, that kind of works against them. Obviously, shortstop making more money because it's just more valuable of a defensive position. So what, what do you think it would take to get Javi Baez? And what would you, if you were the Mets GM, pay Javi Baez? Well, I think... Watching these, well, since he came off the IL um, late August, he's been absolutely insane, as I said. And him and Lindor, that duo, like, watch them play. Like, they have so much fun together every night. They must be losing by a lot of runs. And these guys just make some silly plays in the field together that are just fun to watch. So I think he probably realized he would love to play here with his friend for the next, you know, half decade. But the price, if I'm, if I'm the Mets next GM, because right now we don't know who the Mets GM is going to be. Um, I wouldn't break 200, and that sounds like a lot of money, but I he's gonna want a lot of money. He's gonna be an overpay, but I wouldn't break 200 million for him. But I I think he probably like even though the thumbs down thing happened, I think probably has some interest in coming back here after these past few weeks. I mean, he's obviously had a good vibe with the team, but especially with Lindor and then they're just they're meant to play together. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely the energy that those two guys bring. It's so easy to like gravitate to that stuff. You know what I mean? They can just spark a team so easy by making turning two in the middle infield. Um, and I think some of maybe Baez's like persuasion to come back would be if the Mets could make a playoff run. And we mentioned games back and stuff like that. Brox, I think this might be the final time I ask you, do the Mets have a do they have it in them to catch either Atlanta or catch the Padres Red slash Cardinals in that second wild card hunt? Well, I'll say this. Atlanta probably has a division on lock. I'm not going to say they win the division. But they have they have it in them to go for the wild card because Padres are not playing well. The Reds are not playing well. Um, the Phillies are not playing well. The Cardinals are playing decent. But it's if the Mets want to because they've played the past week. They've had four games where they had leads late in, the, late in games, and they've had some terrible um, blown leads. So if, if they want to – they have it in them, but it's up to them at this point, man. Like tonight, um, they're winning in the eighth inning. Familiar goes a two-run home run. What was it? Uh, Saturday night, Trevor May blows against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Last week, they blow twice against the Marlins. The Marlins, yep. So they, if some of these one-run games flips the other way, they could be really close. I mean, still three and a half back of a wild card, uh, wild card hunt when you have like the teams like the Reds and the Padres playing tough teams. I mean, the Reds are playing the Pirates right now, but I think they have a tough schedule to go. Padres are playing the Giants. They keep playing tough teams. Phillies have a tough schedule. So the Mets, I I don't want to say they're going to make it, but I think they can, they can definitely get, um, get into like within range within the last week of the season. But I don't know. These past two nights have not given me that much hope. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with no, but I hope I'm wrong.
you're going to go with no. And listen, I like you being kind of a real estate, but you are right in the sense that, like, it, it is the ball's in the Mets' court right now. I mean, they play a couple games against Boston. They play Milwaukee still four games late in the season against Miami I'm looking at right now, finish with Atlanta. So, I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta, another three basically playoff caliber teams. If you want to be in the playoffs, you got to beat those teams. So it comes down to how well they play down the stretch. I don't want to say they control their own destiny completely because it's three and a half back. But you do mention I have the Padres schedule. They play like the Cardinals, the Braves, the Giants, and the Dodgers coming up. Like that is horrendous. Like that, that, there's a lot of opportunity for the Mets if they start playing good baseball to catch them. You mentioned the back end of the bullpen. I think they definitely have to kind of group that together. And I think that's something even like my Yankees that we'll get into right now have to figure out. Uh, they went on a brutal stretch. I think it was like two and eleven. I want to say in like thirteen games or something like that. And they got a huge win Monday during the day against the Minnesota Twins. Aaron Judge, it's a huge home run. They come back from down an early 5 nothing deficit. Today, on Tuesday, Garrett Cole didn't have his best stuff, but the offense bailed them out a little bit. They scored seven runs for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Yankees won 13 straight games. Uh, then they collapsed. They lost a lot of guys. I mean, Garrett Cole, Jonathan Loizaga, and Jamison Tyone were basically all unavailable for like the past week and stuff like that. I'm getting a little nervous in that sense with health. Um, they dropped a brutal, brutal four-game series. Toronto comes into New York and absolutely, honestly, just they beat them up bad. Like they, the last game was competitive, and like I think the Yankees scored eight runs in the four-game series. That's just unacceptable and stuff like that. Uh, definitely, maybe change my outlook on what the potential of this team is. I mean, obviously, when you're winning 13 straight games and you have all that traction and stuff, you kind of get caught up in the moment and you're like, oh, maybe this team could make a run. I think the Yankees, honestly. I think obviously they can make a play at the wild card. I think they're still in very good position, but for this team to go deep in the playoffs, they need to get healthy when it comes to their pitching, especially Luizaga. I don't think this team goes anywhere in the playoffs without him. Uh, Corey Kluber too has come back. He hasn't looked great at all. Didn't look sharp against the Mets. So yeah, they're going to have to really piece it together in a sense. Some guys are going to have to step up a little bit, but like I said, Jonathan Luizaga is the big X factor there. Yeah, no, it was tough not having Cole and Luizaga the past week. Um, and especially on Sunday when Coles was to start against the Mets, but instead it was uh, Clark Schmidt who had a tough time. He, four, he didn't pitch terrible. He gave four runs in, I think, five innings. Um, but I think the Yankees' main issue right now, not main issue, but I, I have a bad fe- not a bad feeling, but I think the wild card game is going to be in Toronto, man. That team can just flat out hit. And they can get some pitching, just a little bit of pitching going. Because, I mean, their rotation's not bad, man. They have Alex Manoa. They have. Um, Barrios, Ryu, like they have some, they get some pitching going, man. That team is ridiculous right now. So I mean, the Yankees, all they gotta do is beat up Boston for that second spot. That's what I believe they they can do, and they probably what they're gonna do. But I think Toronto is just gonna ride hot right into the wild card game, man. That'll be really, I think that'd be a good game to see Yankees to Toronto in Toronto too. Yeah, that'd be definitely crazy, especially because Toronto didn't start the year there. They started in Dunedin, Florida, then went to Buffalo a little bit. But yeah, as it stands right now, the Boston game is not final yet. They're still playing Seattle. The Yankees are a half game up on them. If Seattle beats Boston today, Boston moves back one game. So that'd be big for the Yankees. I ultimately do agree with you. I think the Yankees and Toronto will be the two wildcard spots. I mean, we talked about Toronto and like towards by the trade deadline and stuff like their run differential was one of the best in all of baseball, but they just couldn't like their bullpen would blow them games. I know Brad hand who they got at the trade deadline. They just caught. He's on the Mets now. I mean, Brad hand is like, he's brutal. He completely fell off. If you ask me, he's just not a trustworthy reliever, but 
I mean, to get caught from the Blue Jays bullpen is pretty tough, man. They just don't have the arms in their bullpen. That's the only weakness you could say. Good for them, though, that Nate Pearson they did bring up. He's a hard-throwing right-hander, a young guy who maybe could get them some big outs in high-leverage situations. They also just got back Julian Merriweather, who was this guy pitched the like opening day against the Yankees. He struck out the side in like 10 pitches. It was disgusting. He's only pitching like six, seven games this year. So hopefully they can get him maybe in-game rhythm for the playoffs. Aside from Sal Romano. Oh, no. They have Jordan Romano. Excuse me. Sal Romano is the guy in the Yankees. Jordan Romano uh, is their closer. But aside from them, their bullpen's been brutal. But you did mention their starting rotation. You forgot to honestly mention their ace, Robbie Wright, who's had a terrific year. Him oh, in a yeah. wildcard game against Garrett Cole. I mean, those guys are potential one-two in the Cy Young race with Lance Lynn kind of falling back. But with the Blue Jays, it's all about their offense, man. I mean, 27 runs they scored this past weekend in a four-inning stretch that's uh, broke an MLB record and stuff like that. They're one through five of Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., uh, George Springer, Marcus Simeon, and Teoscar Hernandez. I know I didn't say it in the correct like lineup order. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's completely unfair. Simeon and Vlad will probably be top four MVP finishers. And uh, yeah, like you said, I think this team is extremely dangerous. They do, Like I said, they have four good starters in a sense. I don't know maybe what they'll do come playoff time. Maybe Manoa in the bullpen. But Manoa just went eight innings yesterday and gave up one hit against the Tampa Bay Rays, which will be a playoff team. So uh who's a Charlie Montoya over there is going to have definitely some tough decisions to make, but yeah, I mean, this blue Jays team we've said for a while, they are just, it's, it's unreal how good their lineup is. Charlie Montoya, my uh, pick for manager of the year before the season. Um, Yeah, no, I think, I think one of the most, one of the more underrated signings, I was underrated because he signed a one year deal for a decent amount of money, but Marcus Simeon has had an insane year for the blue Jays, man. I mean, he signed, what was it, one year, $18 million. Like, that's... $18 million, yep. That's, like, well, that's almost the qualifying offer at this point. That's mm-hmm. a decent amount of money, but he's had an absolute crazy year. He's in bag, go back in the free agency, probably get the absolute bag from someone, or maybe a little hometown discount from the, the Blue Jays. But um, they just, they put it all together this year, man. Vlad is, he hit more home runs than his father ever did in the season this year already with 45. Um, they got everything going for them right now, so... This could be a team that, you know what, I mean, they could lose the wild card game, but they can make a deep run with this line. This is, this is really cool to see. Finally, a really good team at Toronto that, that's going to have success in the future. Because, um, you know, that the teams they had in like 2015, 16 were great, but it was a really old roster. Now you have an absolute young group of studs that's going to it's gonna really haunt the AL East for a while. Yeah, I mean, the A at least, again, it's just looking like this division could really run baseball because obviously the Yankees and the Red Sox, they won't go anywhere. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays are just proof to continue year in and year out to be competitive. And now the Blue Jays have arguably the best young roster in baseball. You mentioned Simeon, uh, a guy who finished in 2019 third in the AL MVP voting 2020 had a down year and stuff like that. So he takes the one year deal. You mentioned he's a free agent. The Blue Jays have expressed interest in him, potentially bringing him back, as well as Robbie Ray, who's a free agent. Like I said, Robbie Ray will be a top three finisher in AL Cy Young this year. So they have a ton of decisions to make in the offseason. I know they're not really worried about that stuff. But do you think they should kind of bring both these guys back? Or if they had to choose, which one would you bring back here? Because you also got to remember, I know they did just sign Springer last year. It's not like the Blue Jays have these like crazy open pockets. Yeah, they can spend a lot of money, but with like Springer on the books, you're saying in six years for you, he's got like two more years on his deal with big money. I mean, Vlad and Bichette, those guys are a little away from getting paid, but you can't start locking up money six, seven years down the line. And then, you know what I mean? You run into a big problem. So if you had to choose one, who would you rather the Blue Jays bring back, Robbie Ray or Marcus Simeon? 
um, this will be like a bold answer, but I'm going to go Robbie Ray because he'll probably cost them less money. And they're the Blue Jays' one weakness to have is pitching. And I think this going Ray would just keep that um, rotation. They have a decent rotation, but just bolster that rotation. And they can look um, other ways for for the bullpen. And then obviously, if they want to put on, like maybe a Biggio going at, where's Biggio play? He's played second? No. Biggio's been playing like third and second. He's been he's been playing third this year, but like he's played second in the past. They've had to move him around a bunch. He can play the corner outfield too. He's honestly like very versatile. I'd say give Biggio another shot because I think, or I mean, they can definitely sign someone to fill in for Simeon. But I think um, Simeon's going to cost a lot of money, and I think they should use that more in pitching. That's that's their weakness. That's their only weakness they have right now is is the bullpen and I guess a little bit of their starting rotation. I mean, they can't. They can't trust Steven Matz to go out there. And Ray's had a really good year. So I, I would like them to see go and sign Ray. But obviously, I want to sign both. That would be, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think it would definitely be pretty nice to see them sign both. Uh, we mentioned the shortstop market is flooded. And that was even without ever me mentioning Simeon. Like, I always mention, like, those four shortstops who were there. But honestly, Simeon has played shortstop in his past. He's not a great defender there, but you can link him into there. He'll get a ton of money. But I agree with you. I'd go Ray. And Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios for next year could be a huge one-two killer punch at the top of the rotation, which leads me to bring it to this, Brox. If the Yankees are playing a wild card game against the Toronto Blue Jays, who's starting Who's starting that game if you're Charlie Montoyo? Is it Robbie Ray or is it Jose Barrios? No, I'm going Barrios. 100%. You are. No doubt. Even, even though the Yankees have some good success against him in the playoffs, I remember game one, 2019 in the ALDS. He had a tough time in New York. If it's in Toronto, it's going to be a whole different atmosphere. That's true. I, um, I, I give you that. But that's what I listen, was it, as The one thing I will say about the Yankees, even if I know we did talk about the Blue Jays, the Yankees will have the best pitcher on the mound in that game, regardless of who they start. So that's why like a team like the Yankees, I, I don't mind as much in the wild card like compared to like the Blue Jays, where you know what I mean. It's not like they don't have an ace. Like I'm not going to say, obviously, like I said, Robbie Ray has been one of the best pitchers in the American League. Jose Barrios obviously has a great pedigree. He's an all-star caliber pitcher, but again, he's not. They'll their ace in the mound. They'll their ace, but it's not the yeah. best ace pitching. Yeah. It, exactly. So you're losing the pitching matchup in that sense. But besides that, uh, the Blue Jays, like I said, I think they can make a ton of noise uh, in that thing. And I mean, the warning signs were there. Like you said, there was a huge run huge run differential and stuff like that all throughout July and stuff. Uh, the GM clearly saw that uh, they could make a run this year. They bring in Barrios as to bolster their rotation. And that's that uh, one team that we really haven't mentioned in the AL East that it looks like we're both kind of uh, think they're going to be on the outside looking in a team who was in first place in late July in the AL East, uh, the Boston Red Sox, man. I mean, you talk about just a kind of a tough fall off. I mean, they've had, covid battles too over the past two weeks and stuff like that they're officially now in fourth place like do you just think it's like too much to overcome here i mean we kind of said that they overachieved in the first half a little bit um but yeah i think i just they got 12 guys who've missed time now with covid i just think the blue jays and the yankees are just better teams overall and i think honestly it's a shame because boston i think is a playoff caliber team but i don't think boston and then the two and aos teams like um oakland and uh, Seattle, I don't think, end up making any noise. As like scared it sounds, Boston right now, well, they're playing right now, but they're only a half game out of the wild card, um, and they have a lot of guys in the COVID IL. If they can get these guys back soon, they can bolster their their lineup, their rotation, their bullpen um, with, uh, with a few weeks to spare. So I think, honestly, 
they're not in the worst position right now because they've they've held on. I would say like they obviously they fell off like since honestly like the trade deadline they've fell off just like the Mets honestly. But they I think they honestly they they get healthy. I think they'll be a team that they may sneak in um, in the wild card. I mean I I, I don't know choose between the three teams because the Yankees have been sliding recently. Toronto has been I mean they've been surging but they could cool off soon. And then Boston's had a lot of injuries. So honestly, I think it'll be between those three teams. I just don't think Seattle is the firepower to to get to the wild card game. And then Oakland, Oakland every year they're just like they're there. I don't know. So I think it'll be I think the Red Sox are there. Um I don't I don't see don't have a guess to see if they can get in. I think give it like another week and see if like if Sale comes back. I'm not sure if Bogart's came back. Um, Bogart's I know Sale's coming. Barnes, yeah. Barnes is still out. Um, Duran is out. So I mean, these guys are pretty big contributors for them. Yeah. So I mean, I think Sale comes back this weekend. So if they can stay in the hunt with the guys coming back. You never know. Honestly, it'll be a crazy ride. It would. I mean, they play the Orioles six more times. They play Washington another three times. Oh. I think the series that you have to circle. The Yankees next weekend they go to Boston for a three-game set. I mean, if I mean if one of those teams were to sweep the other, I think for the most part that team that gets swept probably on the outside looking in between the two. The Mets played Boston too. That those are two big games I'm gonna need from you guys, Brox. But yeah, again, Boston's in that same situation of uh, balls kind of in their court. I know the Yankees too this week they play. They finish up with Baltimore, then they go to Cleveland, and then they play Texas. Like These are games you absolutely have to have because after that, they play Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Boston, all three of those, to finish the, to finish their season. Like Those are tougher games. You have to beat up on inferior opponents. And look what, like, look what Toronto did. Toronto went into Baltimore, and they – exploded for runs listen they got they got hot late i know in like the seventh inning they ended up uh like in back-to-back games in the seventh inning they ended up winning those games but look a win is a win uh you got to beat the orioles and stuff like that they can play crazy spoiler the orioles but um yeah so if you're gonna be a playoff team have to win down the stretch but let's flip it around let's talk about a, a nice little pitching performance that we saw this past saturday as well even though i mean we did personally didn't see it but corbin burns Combined with Josh Hader to throw a no-hitter. I believe Burns had 14 strikeouts in eight innings. They pulled him. Uh, Josh Hader finishes off two strikeouts in that inning. Corbin Burns, first of all, having an unbelievable season. We'll be in the running for NL Cy Young. I think you can make a case for him, for Kevin Gaussman maybe, and Walker Buehler as well. Even, honestly, Max Scherzer could be in that running. But, yeah, 2.25 ERA this year. He was great last year in 2020. So, on a lot of people's sleeper list this year to kind of break out and that he did. I mean, just throws incredibly hard. It's like a 97 mile an hour sinker. That's just, again, unbel- like unhittable basically uh, the ninth no hitter of the year. I know we kind of talked about it like earlier. I think this is only the second no hitter though, since uh, the sticky stuff got banned. So if you look at that, I guess that helps, but I don't know. I, I think it tied the MLB record or broke the MLB record for most no hitters in a season. Uh, again, so it, it's not even like it's that special. You know what I mean? But I will say this is the third time as well that the Indians have gotten no hit this year. That is disgusting. That that is embarrassing. Yeah, bro. The Indians are just. I mean, honestly, they have like they have some decent hitters. I don't know why they no hit so much. But um, I mean, yeah, Corbin Burns having a great year. He'll definitely be right in the the top three for the NL Cy Young. But I people were like criticizing counts for pulling him with 115 pitches after eight, and I thought about it. I was like, oh damn, let him go. But I realized like. This guy's going to pitch deep in the postseason, man. That's a smart move. Honestly, like, is it worth the no-hitter? I mean, yeah, it's a great accomplishment for your career. But you know what? That guy has 
has more important games to pitch this year. So I really like the move, honestly. And they still got the no-hitter, so the win-win. You said it very right. I mean, Milwaukee is on the verge of clinching. They're like 14 games up in the NL Central and stuff like that. So for them, the no-hitter, it's irrelevant. If it was a perfect game, all right, Corbin Burns maybe should stay in that game. You know what I mean? 20-something people have that in MLB history. Let him go for that. But kind of alluded to the fact that in the playoffs, Corbin Burns will be pitching these big games. I mean, again, do you think that the Brewers are the biggest kind of threat in the NL, like to get to win the NL pennant, because I mean, we've mentioned really the second half of baseball with Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff. They have this trio at the top. Devin Williams has kind of regained his 2020 form. Obviously, Josh Hader at the back end of that bullpen. The offense has kind of turned up a little bit. Do you think that the Brewers can get out of the NL, or do you at least think that they pose the biggest threat to, or who else do they, who do they pose the biggest threat to if they're not getting out of the NL? I don't know, man. The Brewers are an odd team because. You have a Yelich. I still have another off year. Obviously, their pitching is driving them this whole season. Um, I, I think the biggest threat is still the Dodgers, man. And then the sad parts, they're probably going to play the wild card game. And they're, they're one bad pitching performance away from not even making NLDS. So, I don't know. I think, obviously, the Giants having a fantastic year, but I still think it's the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers' World Series, the World Series to lose this year, man. They have an absolute insane lineup, insane rotation, deep bullpen. Uh, I think it's the Dodgers. And the Brewers are going to, you know, they're going to end up playing uh, – who are they going to play? They play the, probably the NL East winner. Yes, all right. So they'll play the Braves probably. Hopefully they dismantle the Braves. But then they'll end up losing to the Giants or Dodgers or ever ends up playing that series. That's That's my guess. So Brewers going on the NLCS. I know when we repicked them, I took the Brewers actually to make it to the World Series and lose to the Yankees. But yeah, one thing like that offense, like you gotta hope that somebody gets hot it uh down the stretch and into the playoffs. I mean, we we see like time and time again in playoff baseball how these like low scoring games and you need these big arms or whatever to shut people down and strike people out and stuff like that. So hit, hitting is way harder in the postseason. I know that seems obvious, but it really is. So like some of the some of these guys on the Brewers again, not a great hitting team. I know Willie Adamas, you could honestly argue, has probably been their best hitter all year and stuff like that. He was a great trade, by the way. Uh, the Brewers GM looks amazing for that. So somebody's got to step up. You mentioned though the one seed in the NL West, the San Francisco Giants. They officially become the first team to clinch a playoff berth. If you would have told us that when we recorded our first episode, I think we would have said you're crazy. I think we would have said if you would have told us too that Brandon they'd be led by Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. I say are we in 2012 but nope it's 2021 the Giants have like 10 players over 10 home runs it's just been a group effort I mean Kevin Gaussman's been great at the top of the rotation but uh I think is his name the guy from the Reds a tall guy Mm -hmm. right-hander he's been great for them and Logan Webb too has had a great second half kind of forms out a formidable trio at the top of that rotation uh I think for the Giants, it's so critical, though, that they win the division and they have a series because I don't love their chances in a wild card game. Again, I just like as good as the Giants. are, But again, I think this just runs into the thing. Like I'm saying, like as good as the Giants are, and I just don't think their roster, their roster isn't that talented. But then again, they, they won the most games in baseball. So, I mean, they they're 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 a good team and I don't think they're getting enough love for that. But again, they do scare me in a sense in a wild card game whereas again the Dodgers in a wild card game would for sure have the best team on paper and that's a team that again you would lean towards in those games so I think the Dodgers are more equipped to win a wild card game than the Giants oh yeah 100% but I think it's just the theme of the year man I don't like I don't want to think that the Giants 
are gonna win anything this year. But I just want to I want to keep doubting them. I want to see him keep winning. Like I think I think the Dodgers will win the wild game whoever they play, and then they're playing the the Giants. And I I'd probably say oh Dodgers in four, but I I'm gonna say it probably Giants in three at that point. Man, they're just <laughs> They have some magic this year that we've seen uh, in those even years, um, what was it, like almost a decade ago. So I don't know. I want to keep doubting them, but they're just going to keep proving us wrong. That's that's all we have to say about them. There's nothing else to say. There's there's literally no word to say about this team. They are not a good team on roster, and they're going to break a hundred wins, and they're probably they're probably going to win the NL, man. That's just that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, it really it it is it's honestly like it's unbelievable to think that the Los Angeles Dodgers again, we were thinking about them possibly setting a record for most wins. And don't get me wrong, they're still gonna have a good year. They're probably they're gonna win hundred games too, and they're not even gonna win their division. And we would have been like, Oh, obviously, all right, the Padres had a great year then. No, it's the San Francisco Giants. It's unbelievable. I know like Jake McGee too has been unbelievable in the back end of their bullpen, has like over thirty saves. Like again, another guy who is well past his prime, or at least you would think. But good for the San Francisco Giants. And honestly, you're right, too. I'm not going to buy into the San Francisco Giants hype. And I'm only not going to do that because I want them to keep winning. And I want this story to keep going. Obviously, they've had a great history of with Bruce Bochy leading those teams uh, in the 2010s of winning uh, against the Royals, that World Series. They want to get they swept the Tigers in that first one against the Texas Rangers. But, yeah, um, kind of brings us to the next part. Um, in that NL, we kind of mentioned the Dodgers. I mean, they are a lock also to get into the playoffs. I actually think the Dodgers are like 13 games up on everybody else in that wild card race. But we mentioned earlier that the Mets are kind of in it. But I mean, the teams that really are fighting too with the Mets, the St. Louis Cardinals have the second wild card spot by a half game now because of their win today over the San Diego Padres and the Cincinnati Reds. The Phillies are also there, but I'm just not taking them seriously. If the Phillies make the playoffs, so be it. You know what? hand up. I messed up by not including them in this, but you know what? I'm kicking the Phillies to the curb right here. I think it's a three horse race really between the Cardinals, uh, Padres and Reds, but I'll sprinkle your Mets in there. Uh, yeah, I think obviously the big one here would be the Padres that they missed the playoffs. Their pitching just hasn't really been good at all. They're starting pitching specifically. I know their bullpen too. Uh, at one point in the year, they, it was like the most, that they were the most used bullpen in baseball. I'm sure it's still pretty close to that. I know they fired Larry Rothschild a couple weeks ago. It didn't really help, help that much. Blake Snell seems to have at least found it on the mound. He's had a lot better starts. Uh, I think he even brought like a perfect game into like the sixth inning or maybe a no-hitter into the sixth or, sixth or seventh inning recently. But yeah, um, he kind of found it. But again, I just think it would be crazy uh, for the Padres to miss the playoffs. They just got swept this past weekend. Jake Cronenworth is a little banged up. Uh, even with a potential M- NL MVP in Fernando Tatis, I mean, what a disappointment it would be for the San Diego Padres to miss the playoffs here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've said it time and time again that, uh, like, it's crazy, like, oh, they're in their division, they're in third place, but they'll be in first place in your division. Now, now they're not playing very good baseball, and I have a, I just I just don't think they're going to win the wild card. I mean, right now, they're half game back. They're losing to the Giants as we speak, so probably a full game back um, of St. Louis. Cincinnati has not played well recently. Obviously, the Phillies. Um, haven't played well, and you say, you know, can't take them seriously. It's the Phillies. The Mets are four games back, but the Mets do play the Cardinals tomorrow. So if they win that, they're going to game on the Cardinals. So that will be not the worst in the world, but they got to win tomorrow. And if the Mets want a chance at this, I'll put them in there just because they're not too far back. If they want any chance at this, they got to win tomorrow. So I, I don't know. I have a, I have a weird feeling that it's just going to be between St. Louis and San Diego. Um, 
down the stretch, but I think St. Louis is going to pull it out. And then that means the Dodgers are going to have a really nice, relaxing wild card game. Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned, too, those two teams. I know I have these schedules kind of in front of me right here. San Diego, I mentioned earlier, has a brutal schedule. They play St. Louis, though, this coming weekend, so that's big. I know the St. Louis Cardinals also have a couple – I think it's two series still against the Brewers. Uh, The Brewers are probably going to clinch that division, so you could say, oh, well, they might take it easy. But, again, still the Brewers are going to be playing. Maybe, I mean, probably the Giants, though, are still going to be the one seed, so they're kind of locked in. But, again, they're not going to be in, like, straight cruise control. You know what I mean? They're not going to throw these games away. They might manage them with a little bit less sense of urgency because they really don't need to win them. But besides the point, I mean, honestly, incredible if you actually that the St. Louis Cardinals are back in this race and stuff like that. I thought, really, the Cincinnati Reds would be the team from the Central competing with the Padres. But I'm still going to kind of lean the Reds in this. I know they've kind of tailed off a little bit. They were hot, really uh in August, early August specifically, but they got a couple series against the Pirates coming up. I believe actually maybe it's only one more. They're playing them now and then they have another series left with them. They play Washington as well, too. They do have to play the Dodgers, which is a little scary, but oh no, they yeah, they still have at least they still got like six games against the set eight games against the Pirates, man. Like, I mean, that's those are big, big games that you should definitely win again. Uh they haven't They've been carried by their offense. Obviously, we've mentioned Castellanos and Jesse Winker all year. Jonathan India as well, probably rookie of the year. Their pitching uh, come from uh, unexpected guys this year. Wade Miley and Tyler Male have kind of carried Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. They haven't really been able to repeat their 2020 magic. Um, Brock's, I'll bring this though to you, out of those three teams, out of the – oh, and then actually I'll mention the Cardinals first and the Cardinals coming back with Adam Wainwright because I mentioned the Giants flashing it back to 2010. Adam Wainwright's bringing it back also to 2010. The guy's got like 16 wins with a 2.88 ERA. They've lost Jack Flaherty really for the whole like second half. I know he's going to try to throw um, this coming week, but – uh, ever since he had that like bump in Los Angeles against the Dodgers and that hurt himself, it kind of really derailed his season. But Wainwright has stepped up as the ace. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sold, though, on the Cardinals. I honestly do think the Reds do end up winning the second wild card. But I'm curious what you think about out of those three teams, the Reds, the Cardinals and the Padres. What team do you think poses the biggest threat to the Dodgers in a one game wild card? Oh, I mean, the correct answer is the Padres, but the way they've played recently, I would have to probably – it's tough not to go to the Reds, even though, like, the way they've been playing all year, like, their hitting's been pretty good, and they've had some decent pitching from guys like Wade Miley, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. But I think I'm going to go with the Cardinals still because I still think they're, like – the Cardinals, like, they're, they're just a team that they always win. They're built to win. Like, they haven't performed well this year, but they have guys in that team, like – like honestly, Wainwright has turned it around. He's he's giving me 2006 flashbacks yesterday after <laughs> just mowing down the Mets. Um, they're no, they're just a veteran, gritty team that they're built to win in the playoffs. So I think if they can get to that wild card game, it'd be tough for the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, you know, you're not you're gonna face Wainwright, and I couldn't even tell you who else in the rotation right now. I'm blanking on that, but I I don't know. Their lineup isn't crazy either. I mean, you still have to face Goldschmidt, Arenado. They're not even starting Paul De- Wait, Are they starting Paul DeYoung? No, they're starting that other guy at shortstop. It's a yeah. different Edmundo guy. Edmundo Sosa, the guy that, yeah, the that guy domed the umpire yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Um, they don't have a crazy lineup right now. I mean, Tyler O'Neill's 26 home runs. Tyler, Tyler yeah. O'Neill's been really good for them. A breakout, another guy who was on a lot of breakout lists. He's been very good. Yeah, yeah but like their bullpen, their bullpen though is not bad. Like Alex Reyes, who's hit or miss sometimes, has been pretty good. Yenesis Cabrera has been really good too, so... I think that's a team to be like 
to watch because like you know what that's a team that just they know how to win like the cardinal way so that's it's a bold take but that's what i'll go with i agree with that i'm gonna go a little less bold i'm gonna take the san diego Padres only because how well they played the dodgers this year i know they had that crazy 16 inning game i know there was that series too like i believe it was in april when um it just went like back and forth. I remember Mookie Betts made like a diving catch in that game. They ended up winning big though, and extra the Dodgers because it was like a mess or something. But those series always good. The dot the Padres always seem to get up for those series and stuff like that. So again, oh, uh, they had that. Remember that Sunday night game too that the Padres came back in and they scored like, uh, like they, the Dodgers were up like six six one in that game and they ended up tying at like eight. I think the Padres ended up winning that game. That's just another one that comes to mind. The Padres seem to get up for those type of games. So I think that'd be kind of a worst case scenario for the Dodgers. Again, they're going to win a hundred games not to play in a wild card game, but uh, I guess that's what it is, which kind of brings us into this last thing, kind of wrapping it up. If the Dodgers were to get into a wild card game, Walker Buehler could be the Cy Young award winner, but are they going to go with him on the mound? Are they going to go with Julio Urias, who has 17 wins and leads um, the national league? Are they going to go with Clayton Kershaw, a guy who maybe doesn't have the best postseason pedigree, but obviously one of the best pitchers of our generation just came back from the aisle, or are they going to go with the freshly enshrined, 3,000 strikeout club member Max Scherzer, the guy who they got from the deadline. He was absolutely dealing this past weekend against the Padres through eight innings, only gave up one hit, no runs. Um, yeah, I think it's a tough decision for Dave Roberts. I don't really think necessarily he can go wrong because all four of them are quality candidates. I think it comes down to between Bueller and Scherzer, but I'm curious to see where you lean. I mean, dude, Bueller is an absolute animal this year. He's he's always been an animal. He's been great his whole career. Um, but, dude, you got to give the Scherzer, man. This guy's just an absolute dog. He's built for big situations. 3,000 strikeouts. This guy's in his last year of his deal with the Nationals they signed in 2015. I think you got to give it to Scherzer, man. This guy's going out there, and he's going out there saying, you're not beating me. I I just don't know how you don't give it to Scherzer just because this guy's an animal. And he's having an insane year. It didn't even feel like it. Beginning of the year, I'm like, ah, oh, Scherzer, he could be on the decline. Nope, this guy's having an insane year. So I know you love Bueller, but I don't know. Scherzer is he's built for that. I mean, Scherzer is six and zero with a point eight eight ERA since he can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Dave Roberts can't go wrong. I mean, and I think whoever I mean, you gotta have like even if they win, then they're gonna be favorites in the next series too because whoever they got going game one, like it's like they're not even gonna skip a beat. That's like one of the things you could argue that oh, if you have to throw your ace in a wild card game, like the Yankees, then who's throwing in game one of the ALDS? Obviously not caring about that because you're getting there at least, but it's like you're going to be at the pitching disadvantage there. They does It doesn't matter for them. Um, but I'm still going to lean – I don't know. Actually, I don't know, man. Walker Bueller was so good in the postseason, man, last year. He had like a 1.8 ERA. They won all five games that he – or four out of five games that he pitched in, man. His last start in the World Series, six innings, ten strikeouts. He threw that awesome game five against the um, – Washington in 2019 in the NLDS. Uh, like you said, though, you can't go wrong. I think maybe they probably, I don't know who they're going to lean, man. I really don't because, again, Bueller is such a good, has been such a good postseason pitcher. I also did pick Bueller to win my Cy Young, so I do hope that he ends up winning the Cy Young. Um, besides the fact, he's been so good for them in the postseason. But again, Max Scherzer, too. It's like you can't go wrong there. Uh, one thing I do want to ask you about Scherzer do you think Scherzer resigns in LA, like LA pays him, especially with what is going on with Trevor Bauer and the uncertainty of if he'll ever pitch for the Dodgers again? You think that Scherzer maybe takes like a three, four year deal for the Dodgers? Or do you think maybe uh, he stays in California but goes to the Angels? 
I was going to say, I think he stays in L.A. but goes to the Angels. That would be an Angels-type move to throw the bag at him, which I wouldn't be a bad move, but a little old for that. But um, he definitely deserves a big contract. I think the Angels are in need of an absolute ace right now. For sure. I think that if the Angels – I think he's Scherzer's 37, I want to say, maybe 36. I want to lean 37. 30. So if, he, if he's 37, he's probably going to want like – a three with maybe a player option on the fourth. And I mean, he's probably going to get a similar deal to Bauer in a sense where Bauer got like, it was like three for one Oh five with a bunch of options. Right. Or I think that's what it was or something like that. Or something like crazy. I don't know. He's going to take a short term deal again. That's going to get a lot of average, uh, like average annual value will be very high on that. Um, but one last thing we kind of want to wrap up on a guy who hasn't played at all this year, a former Milwaukee Brewer, current Milwaukee Brewer, Ryan Braun, Officially announced his retirement this past week. Guy made a bunch of all-star games. He won an MVP. I think his career will always be plagued, though, from the steroids. Ryan Fraud, as some people would call him. Uh, he won that MVP. I believe it was in 2011. And then, yeah, 2012, he got suspended. for the, Or 2013, he got suspended for the steroids. But, yeah, guy, again, one of the best players probably in Milwaukee Brewers franchise history, I think. You look back at those teams. Never never won. Um a World Series and stuff like that, which is a shame. They did make it to the NLD, uh, NLCS a couple years ago in 2018 against the Dodgers. But again, a lifelong brewer. I'm happy he didn't really go anywhere um, this past year or whatever. But uh, good for Ryan Braun in a sense like that. Another guy, again, who we grew up watching all our life um, is riding off into the sunset. Yeah, no, we grew up watching him. He was a great hitter. It's just unfortunate that he, he went through the the PD scandal, and it sucks after that great 2011 season that it just didn't seem to be a true Ryan Braun uh, type season that it was um it was a steroid riddled year for him. But he was still a really good hitter with or without steroids. So congrats to him. It was he was always a, a thorn in the Mets side, man. I don't know how every guy is, but um the guy was he was a really good hitter. He was a good hitter even with steroids. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even I'm looking, I'm just like really looking at stats and stuff like that. Ryan Braun, like those two years, like 2011 and 2012, he stole a combined 63 bases. Sneaky quick, man. I honestly much more completely flew under the radar with that stuff like that. Uh, kind of tailed off, like you said, like 2016 and on. Did how to make it hasn't made an all star team since 2015, stuff like that. But I guess that's what happens. You know what I mean? You get up there in age. Uh, just another guy again going down. I mean, Miguel Albert Pujols, a domino who's falling soon. Uh, he's announced obviously that this is going to be his last year and stuff like that. So, how like crazy would that be if Albert Pujols' potential last game was against the St. Louis Cardinals in a wild card? I mean, it's not going to be at Bush Stadium, but how like baseballish would that be if if it was his career were to go out against the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, uh, I feel like that'd be so fitting though. Because his career, I wouldn't say ended, but just went downhill once he left the Cardinals. So the Cardinals <laughs> ending his career effectively, it'd be kind of, not a cool, but kind of fitting, you know? I mean, you're 100 yeah, honestly, you're right in that sense. Like, he kind of, he kind of, like, yeah, his career kind of ended once he left the Cardinals and obviously went to L.A. I mean, the Cardinals uh, struggled ever since he left them. So it would be fitting, in a sense, for the Cardinals. I mean, obviously, they appreciate what Albert Pujols did for them, of course. But for them to get kind of a last laugh on that. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Miguel Cabrera, too, I guess, is the next one that we have to circle. Miguel Cabrera, 3,000 hit watch, too, is very close. You know, Miguel Cabrera this past week at some point was like eight for eight, like consecutive eight for eight. It might have actually been nine for nine or something like that. That is crazy. All of a sudden, he's just 500th career home run, and he's going crazy at the plate. So good for him. Uh, I think he's at 
He's 25 more hits he needs for 3,000. So it's going to be an absolute squeeze this year. I'll, I probably don't think he gets it this year, but uh, I guess we'll see him back then in 2022 to go for the 3K mark. Dude, I remember we were talking about it and like, oh, not this year. He's in the reach on 3K. But dude, after that, that eight straight consecutive hits, who knows, man? Um, guys having a good year. So let's, uh, let's hope it happens this year because you know why anything like – Bad happened in the offseason where he finds out he has some some injury issue that he can't play again. So I want it to happen before the year, year ends. Yeah, exactly. exactly. 3,000 hits is like one of those career milestones, too, that like is just like that's an exclusive club. Like I remember we talked about like A-Rod, like 696 versus 700. It just sounds a lot better. But again, once you're like above like the 500, the 600, once you're above like 600, like for home runs, if you ask me, that's like a whole different category. Hits the same thing. Once you're above 3,000, it doesn't matter if you have 3,100 or if you have 3,000 on the dot like Roberto Clemente. You're in the 3,000 hit club. So, yeah, hopefully Miguel Cabrera can uh, keep it going. I mean, yeah, the guy was 4 for 4 the other day against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So get him against the Pirates. Cancel all the rest of the games on Detroit's schedule and let's get him hitting. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, we'll probably come back on here at some point next week, kind of, again, give you guys another rundown of the updated playoff push, and then maybe one more final episode before the season is over, give you guys all a playoff preview as well. But, uh, Braxton, anything you want to leave off with? Uh, I hope the Mets win a game tomorrow, man. I can't deal with this team. <laughs> it's one of those things, Broxy. I know, trust me, I was definitely going through with the Yankees, but the cure to the the cure to that is just play the Orioles, or it hasn't really been completely that season, but thankfully the Yankees have seemed to uh, turn the switch on that and losing to Baltimore, cause, and they got two more games against them, which is awesome. But like I said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.